What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access. A little over 24 hours from beating the Cincinnati Bengals. How was that? Man, that was a lot of fun. We'll recap it on tonight's show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And it, I'm telling you, Cincinnati, that was, that's crazy. I've been to Cincinnati now three times for three games, 15, 17, and 2023. 20, 15 was the Yates to Hopkins touchdown on Monday Night Football. Bengals were 8 0, ended the regular, or ended their undefeated season. 2017, we had about a million guys on the injury report. Four days after we played against Jacksonville, and this was like 10 to 12 days after Hurricane Harvey had hit. And we won that game somehow. And then, of course, what happened yesterday. And I'll be honest, 30-27 to 27 shouldn't have been close. It should have been more like 34-13. It, that's really the way it felt through close to three quarters. But give the Bengals credit. They've been in a lot of big games lately, and they weren't about to die easily. Uh, when Burrow hit Chase, oh boy, here we go. This is going to be um, pretty shaky landing. But let's go land the plane and get a win. And he did. Uh, in a lot of different ways. So we're going to talk to a couple of our good friends tonight to get their thoughts on what they saw. And we'll start with our pal Andre Ware, who had obviously a lot to say about yesterday's game and what's going on in the NFL, around the division, who's the best team in the AFC. Let's talk with Andre Ware. Me, Mark, Andre, let's go. Dre, we heard the uh, C.J. Stroud highlight so let's get into the kind of day he had. It was magnificent throwing the football. He had the one pick that you definitely would want back. A couple of other turnovers that were really iffy turnovers, but they were they happened. Uh, what did you make of his performance yesterday? Another come-from-behind victory. Yeah, his, his performance, I mean, he just continues to grow. The legend keeps building, uh, all of it. I, I, I mean, you're get, almost getting to a point, and we've had this feeling before that, you know, if he gets the ball with time on the clock, you know he's going to do something special. You know he's going to have the team in a position to win or he's going to deliver a win. And so, uh, you know, with, with that being said, it, it's just it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to witness his growth as a quarterback and, and this team overall, the uh, the success that they're having. And yesterday, Dre, for the first time, all season, really, they had success on the ground with Devin Singletary. What did you see uh, from your perch? What was working? 30 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown. It just felt like all day there were just chunks of yardage that Singletary was producing, but the O-line did a great job. What did you see? Yeah, uh, we kind of made mention of that before the game, that this was, that would have been the third consecutive week in which you have Laramie Titus, Michael Dieter, uh, Shaq Mason, and George Fant uh, starting together, the same offensive line. And so with that, you're going to have better communication up front. You're going to have uh, better overall offensive line play. Guys, you know, trading blocks, trusting each other. All that stuff is built through reps together, especially on with that group on, on the offensive line. So, that's why the running game worked. Uh, Devin Singletary had a heck of a performance. Don't get me wrong, because to carry it 30 times, that's a load, man. But yep. he delivered. Uh, he was special. He was making guys miss. Oh, my goodness, did he make some guys miss. I, uh, there's a, the safety Nick Scott is still seeing uh, number 26 in his sleep. 
uh, he'll see him for a while because he turned him around several times throughout that game. But I think it's just the overall uh, a mixture of Devin Singletary's performance with the offensive line having played three weeks together. Yeah, Joe Burrow yesterday, look, he's magnificent. He made a couple of really amazing throws, mm-hmm. more than a couple. That's but then you look at, man. Dre, you always talk about this, the pressure the Texans got with their interior with Malik, Sheldon Rankins with three sacks, then they got him from the outside with Grenard. And being able to bottle up the run, it just sort of fed off this or fed into this attack they had to crush the pocket on Burrow and really give him a hard time. Thoughts on pressure up the middle? Yeah, when you you look at Sheldon Rankins, he played like he was trying to make up for some lost time yesterday. I mean, played out of his mind the way he bounced around and what was it, uh, three sacks in yesterday's game. Malik Mm -hmm. Collins uh, made plays throughout the game. Even Khalil Davis uh, at times kind of uh, kind of kind of flashed at at times there. The defensive line as a whole, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, I think is having one heck of a year. Um, they over the overall performance is 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 just been phenomenal in my opinion, and when you take that and you start to mix it with pressure up the middle on a quarterback like Joe Burrow, uh, and he we're talking one of the top at the very least five quarterbacks in at this the very league. Least. <clears throat> yeah, at the very least top five quarterbacks in this league. Um, they they uh, they did their job for the better part of four quarters. That's that's for absolute sure, and it it was because of the performances like that of Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins. Dre, I mentioned this uh, earlier to Mark, and we talked about it all week. Eight guys were out of this game. That didn't include Fairbairn, who got put on IR. It didn't include MJ Stewart and Hassan Ridgeway, who went on IR right after the game against the Buccaneers. It felt like this was, and I don't know the right way of saying this, but kind of an organization game. Like everybody had to contribute to get it done. And it was, it just was kind of a a massive game in that way, including Steven Nelson, who nobody really knew what was going to happen. And yet there he was late in the first quarter, early in the second, out on the field, playing corner and playing a good job. When your team has a win like that, what does it kind of do for the locker room that it wasn't just, okay, CJ threw for 470 yards and we just got on his back and rode. But when everybody's contributing, what does that do for the locker room? Well, it gets, it keeps it, it gets everybody invested in what's going on, not just on game day, but during the week in terms of preparation. And yeah, you may be repping, you know, repping something for another guy or getting him ready in, in a certain drill, but you know, that you have a chance to contribute on game day, you're going to prepare a little bit different, you, differently. Your energy energy level is going to be a little bit different as well. <clears throat> so from that standpoint, a team win and everybody contributes, that's good for the overall culture and the overall program in and of itself. And with Steven Nelson, I, I love playing with guys like him. I like seeing guys like him perform and play because he just loves the game. It means so much to him. There was no way if they gave him shoulder pads and a helmet yesterday, they were going to keep him off the field. And at some point, he would he would get out there. And it was early. It was first quarter, maybe second or third series that he was he was on the field and contributing and playing and making plays. So uh, I, I love guys like that. They love the game. Uh, a bump or a bruise isn't going to keep him off the field. He knew the team needed him, and he went out and performed that way. All right, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but they have something special going, clearly. When you have a quarterback like this, 
and the head coach, Dre, you mentioned the word culture. What is he doing here? What is the X factor that he's providing and bringing into this building that the guys are responding to? You can't understate um, wanting to go to work for a guy. And that's that's what this team, that's how they feel about D'Amico. It's the air that is out there. You feel it when you walk through the building. Uh, people look you in the eyes. They actually say hello. Uh, they can do that now. In years past, maybe not. But uh, it's a joke for, for those listening. But, yeah, it, it, they, they want to play for D'Amico. They want to go to work. They want to play hard. They play like he played the game, especially on the defensive side. And the offense is fun to watch. I mean, there was some creativity there yesterday that we haven't seen. There were some things that, that we've seen C.J. doing that uh, we, we hadn't seen in the offense in the running game uh, in, in that area as well. It's fun to watch. Overall, as an overall uh, team and program, it is fun to watch again, and it's fun to be a part of. And I think that is a direct reflection of D'Amico Ryan's. Dre, if I'd have told you at some point there are two, well, there were two receivers in Texans history that had 150 yard receiving games back to back, and you would guess Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins, and I would say, okay, there's now a third, and you'd be like, man, third, okay, uh, who who would that be? Noah Brown is added to the list. Since he's gotten back, he's made one big play after another. I'm not even sure where we'd be without Noah Brown, but I feel like. We absolutely have to discuss his impact on this offense and what he's brought to it, including that last play where he carries and gets he breaks through two tackles to get closer a closer field goal from Matt Amendola. What is Noah Brown bringing to this team? And does it shock you that there are just three guys, Dre and Hop, probably not, but that Noah Brown is that other guy for 150 yards receiving in back-to-back games? Noah Brown's that guy that pushes the group. Uh, Noah Brown's the guy that sets the tempo. I guarantee you when they're competing in the offseason and they're running sprints, or doing, I, I guarantee you Noah Brown's at the front of the pack uh, because just just the energy and what he in which he plays with, uh, it has been a – when you needed it too. With, uh, with Nico being out yesterday, uh, he was there last week and Noah did the exact same thing. It, it's, it's, it's a welcomed performance. It's a much needed performance. It gives them a da- another downfield receiver, another receiver that can catch it shallow and take it and break tackles and take short uh, catches and make them long runs. Um, that's what you want from, from that receiving group. And you want a guy that's going to push at every single position. He's that for the receiver group. You know, we were talking about two-game stretches for Texans receivers. And, you know, Noah Brown, this whole offense, C.J. Stroud especially, has you reaching for the record book every week, right? Every week we're reaching for a record book. You know, what is happening here? Well, Noah Brown goes for 172 after 153. So that is awesome, right? There's no doubt about What is that, 325? So 325. Good quick math. That's good. Yeah, not bad. Well, it was easy because there was a two and a three, and I I know that adds up to five usually. But (laughs) listen to this. Andre Johnson, I mean, it's time to give the GOAT a little love here because the Jacksonville overtime game in 2012 followed by the Thanksgiving game at Detroit. That's a two-game swing. This was the largest output in NFL history for a receiver in two games. 461 receiving yards in two games. Yeah. 
23 catches for 461. Wow. That's Andre Johnson, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. All right. So only one touchdown, though, but it was a big one. It was the game winner against the Jaguars. Well, that's time. why he's the GOAT. Yep. And that's why he's the GOAT. Yep. I mean, you know, DeAndre had his games. There's no doubt. And I, I guess the point with, with Noah is after he gets hurt in week one against the Ravens and he's now on IR for four weeks, it's at that point where Robert Woods and Tank Dell and Nico Collins are really getting targets and making plays and Nico's having the big 145-yard gains. And then Noah Brown comes back quietly. Robert's out for a couple weeks and all of a sudden you've got You've got Noah Brown just catching everything. And at some point during the game, and I don't know who said this. I don't know who it was of the five of us. But in the breaks, we're all just, you know, talking like, you know, eighth grade girls. And somebody goes, don't worry, Noah Brown will produce some magic. I think it was Dre. I think it was Dre. Did you say that? Because somebody said that, and all of a sudden, Noah Brown went out there and made more plays. I'd love to take credit, but I don't remember that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But he is is absolutely setting the world on fire right now. But it's a group, Dre. I mean, you talk about Tank Dell. You were talking about his speed, and, and not just speed. What did Tank Dell show us yesterday other than speed? The heart. We've seen it before, yeah. but he Change just the direction as well. He set a guy up on the goal line on his touchdown reception and just froze him, and then hit a gear from zero to sixty. That's mm-hmm. how they measure car speed. Wow, mm-hmm. did he get there fast? Yeah, and, and he, he was... turned into a running back. And it, when he caught the ball, I was, I was. You can see me. I'm right in line with where he catches the ball, and yeah. I just was like, just go, because. When he turns it up, and he he's a tough dude. Like, he yeah, took a shot tough. from Nick Scott yesterday. He would not go to the tent. He was like, I'm not. They literally had to they made arm in arm take him to the tent to go get yeah, checked that, out. That, that's back a in the good game. point, Johnny, because there was a point in the game yesterday where I was going to make that point about Tank. There were, there were as many as three Bengal defenders on his back, and he still didn't. He still hadn't gone down. Eventually, he did, but... He was fighting tooth and nail, and and that's a sign of a guy that just just tough as nails at a hundred and what sixty five pounds soaking wet. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. it doesn't the the size doesn't matter. The toughness nope. is obvious. Leading receiver for the Texans is Schultz, followed by Nico, who didn't play yesterday, obviously. Then Tank, thirty seven, thirty six, thirty four catches, and then Woods. Noah Brown with 21. He's really gaining some steam here. So it'll be interesting to see where this all ends up. But it's a merry band of pass catchers, no doubt. Dre, Kyler Murray back for Arizona. They beat Atlanta. They get Connor Murray. They're a different team than they were a few weeks ago. This is not, you can't look at the record, right? This is a very different unit that we're going to see for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, they've got their big three back in in the fold and, and they can move the ball and throw it around. He is a concern, going to be a concern or is a concern for Matt Burke and D'Amico Ryans as they start the game plan for Arizona. Without him, I mean, yeah, you could probably check this one off. With him, uh, he makes things a little bit different because he's just a winner. He's won on every level he's ever been at on and uh, and, and the guy just fights and scratches and he, when you have to play 11 on 11 and account for the quarterback in an offense, that makes it tough and it puts a tremendous stress on a defense. So he can make plays with his arm. He certainly can move around and make them. Uh, we just 
hope that he doesn't make as many, and he's just a little bit apprehensive on Sunday. Not fully back yet. Okay. I'm going to take the Chiefs away from both of you. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me what team is the best in the AFC Mm. right now. What's the best team? You could consider it like this is the way I consider it a lot of times. What's the one team I wouldn't want to play right now? What's the best team in the AFC? See, here are some of your candidates. I'm taking the Chiefs away. I cannot choose the Chiefs. Neither one of you can choose the Chiefs. Gotcha. Okay. So Dolphins lead wow, the AFC I mean, East at six and three. It's tough. Ravens are seven it's and three. Tough. Browns six Ravens and three. Ravens got beat yesterday. Jacksonville yeah. got beat yesterday. Uh, I'm going to say this. This is a group where it's not like everybody's even, but I look at the way the Ravens blew their game against Cleveland yesterday. I mean, they totally blew it. Totally. Right? totally. They had this. They blew it. I mean, Watson throws a pick six early. They're up big. They should be able to put Mm -hmm. that game away. And look, the Texans were going to be accused of the same thing. You didn't put them away, right? Well, the Ravens, you're at home. You got to put them away. This is a division game. Got to put them away. Couldn't put them away. Lamar Jackson throws a pick six. You didn't put them away. Not only did you not put them away, you let them back in and you enabled them to have that opportunity to win the game on a field goal with no time left. Mm -hmm. So the Ravens, to me, I think are still the best team, Dre, other than the Chiefs, but they've got to play better. They have to execute better down the stretch. You can make a case for the Cleveland Browns. You could. Gaining gaining traction. Vomit. I want to vomit. Uh, Sports vomit. It it does make you want to vomit, but they just beat the team that you talked yeah. about in I know. their stadium. And I know. So when you're talking about right now, uh, <sighs> yeah, it would it would probably for me be the Cleveland Browns because defensively, you cannot argue with what they're doing on that side of the ball. And you're going to get your just, shot at them. Yeah. Chris, Christmas Eve, you get to play yep. them. You get to put a loss on them. And if you if it's the same thing right now, they're one game better than you in the record department you beat them you got it over them you'll what tie with the, whatever the case may be i know a lot of things are going to happen between now and then but you get your shot at the cleveland browns and as far as that draft choice issue goes as long as you finish ahead of them that is the most wonderful thing in the world because that's the pick you have you need to finish ahead of them so you don't regret not that you would anyway but it would be fun to get that scoreboard. here's the browns schedule okay home pittsburgh at Denver, at Rams, home Jacksonville, home Bears before they come here. They're all winnable. They're all kind of losable except for the Bears, They'll I would say. Any of those that are uh, out of the division, you think they're going to win. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Denver and L.A. Yeah, and I, I would they get Pittsburgh at home. In the division. So yep. what's that put them at, Johnny? Well, if they beat Pittsburgh, which I think they would, they'd be Denver and L.A. That's three more wins. That makes them nine and three. Yikes. Nine Yikes. and three yeah. with those next three games. But he's still making mistakes. He's still making no, big he mistakes, and he's hurt right now. Again, he hurt the ankle well, that's yesterday. That's the scary but, part about it, Mark. If he heals yes. up and he gets it right, I you know. know, here he comes. And, and the, you, I would rather have seen him already or yeah, be seeing yeah. him here coming this this the next week or so and not way back in December on the, on Christmas Eve because by then I guarantee you he'll be – He'll be a somewhat of what he used to look like. But they didn't put the nail in the coffin. The Ravens. The Ravens did not did put not. the nail in the coffin. We were following that one very upset. Obviously, the Colts beat the New England Patriots, but I, the Patriots look like dead team walking to me. And then the totally. Titans losing, which is really interesting because 
I thought they'd play a little bit better in that game, and obviously not. Hop has three catches. I mean, the big issue against the Buccaneers is uh, they couldn't stop Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry never got going. 11 carries, 24 yards. Uh, Dre, the division is the division gettable here. You've beaten the Jags already. They lose badly to the 49ers. Okay, it's the 49ers, a super hungry 49ers team yesterday on the road. You're one game mm-hmm. back. You have them in a couple of weeks. And if you get that one, you're tied with them, assuming everything evens out this coming week. And you've got two in hand. That would be huge. I think so. I think it's very, it's very much so gettable. And you look at Tennessee, they don't seem to be much of a threat right now. Uh, the Colts, I would view as one if they can continue their winning ways and and continue trying to put wins up. But who knows? I mean, it's it's tough. There's a lot of football left to be played, but just inside of the AFC South, I, I think I think it's a gettable division with with the teams that are there and the way everybody's playing right now. Uh, take care of business against Arizona. Let's see how things stack up after next week. Dre, I'm going to make this very easy. I'm going to give you a statement. You just respond. Texas A&M gets rid of Jimbo Fisher. Go. Crazy. Crazy. You got to see things through to a degree and uh, give him give him at least another year. And they go out mm. and they whip Mississippi State, what was it, 51 to 10 or something yep. like that. And, mm-hmm. and then they uh, – then you fire him after that. I mean, it almost smells of they have their guy in the back mm-hmm. of their mind already, and mm-hmm. they don't want to let him get away. That's what it seems like to me. And so they're afraid that the guy they want is there's a chance he may go somewhere else. Let's do this now so we make sure we get our guy. That's what this seems like. And in, in my in the, the my experience of, of being in this industry for a while, that's exactly what it appears as. Let me ask you this. And look, I'm with you. I think that sometimes they regard that these coaches way too highly. Right I, I think the question is, did they need to give him the extension when they did? No. Was he if he's going to go to LSU? You know what? Go to LSU. Seriously. Really? He could have yeah, gone to LSU wrong? the first time. Yeah. What's wrong the, with Texas a and we yeah. don't have good enough facilities. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough what whatever. I mean, come on. It's Texas A&M. If you can't win here uh, it, with all the trappings that they have, everything at their disposal, then what are you doing? So to me, the extension, and easy for me to say, I mean, I'm not running the joint, but that stuck out to me. That was uh, a Dre- surprise to everybody, though. Everybody was surprised. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit of a shocker there. And I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on who's going to take over there. I'm sure a lot of people here's have a the lot list. Of the, here's okay. the list of candidates that um, it's kind of been out there a little bit. Dan Lanning, Oregon, Mike Elko, Duke, Mike Norvell, Florida State, Kalen DeBoer, Washington, Lance Lee, Pole, Kansas. That'd be a good one. Uh, then a few others. And then how about this name? Okay. Dan Campbell. What? Dan Campbell. Dre, would he leave Detroit to do that? No, no, okay. I don't think you, I, I, if you're a head coach in the NFL, I know it's, I, I get it. I know it's a difficult job. I get all that, but that and coaching in college as a head coach. Well, let, me, let me, let animals. me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. If they gave anybody what they gave Jimbo, <laughs> Jimbo. yeah, they, anybody would think about it. You got to consider it. I mean, all coaches would have to think about that. That's how ridiculous that contract was. 
Well, you got to consider the portal and NIL, and it's a hassle. Twenty four seven, three sixty five. You're on it. Yeah. You don't take a break. There no are, break. There's no break. Yeah, yeah. None. And you're always not, on it. It's not about coaching after a while. It's about everything else. It's about the CEO. No, you, you, of, of you're the no, you're no longer a head coach. You're no longer coaching X's and O's if you're a, a college football coach in today's world. You're you're a CEO managing a business, and you've got employees that are being paid now. You may not be paying them yourself. It may not be yours, but you are running it for someone. That's right. What that's do you have? The, the title of uh, that's the definition of a of an NCAA head coach these days. What do you have this weekend, Trey, on ESPN? Going to San Antonio, UTSA, and USF. Going to do a little American action, and uh, UTSA still in a, a a championship game hunt in the American. So four teams in that uh, in that conference: Memphis, SMU, UTSA, and Tulane. Uh, still standing at the top of that one, and so I'm excited to uh, to get back to San Antonio. And you don't have to get on a plane. Oh, that's good. No. No, that's if good. I want to drive that one, I can drive it, turn around, come right back home. And by the way, I don't think I saw Jeff Trailer's name on that list for A&M. That would be a get for A&M. I know that may not be sexy enough for A&M. Jeff Trailer can coach his ass off and has that's- history with Texas high school football coaches having been one Jeff Trailer should get it. He should get a call from A and M. I don't know if he's going to get well, it. Well, that's been the that's been sort of the problem um, all along. They want these name coaches. Uh, mm-hmm. Go get a coach that can actually coach football rather than one that you know has you know the name and cachet and has moved around eight times and you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Go get a guy that can coach like like Jeff Trailer. Bill Belichick. Just kidding. <laughs> all right, Dre. <laughs> we'll catch up later yeah, on. Thanks. Some of those. Some of those names, you might as well throw Belichick on that list. Why not? Let's do it. All right. Thanks a lot, my friend. All right, guys. Bill Belichick, Aggie coach? Oh, man. Wow. That would be interesting. But it's not going to happen. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Texas A&M firing Jimbo Fisher. Uh, But thanks to his agent, he's going to be making a lot of money for a long time. In fact, I think I saw the number of $7.6 million each year until 2031 to not do anything and it's not offset by another job so it's not as if AM's okay you got a job now you're making eight million over here we don't have to pay you anymore you're making one million we only have to pay you six nope he gets that and any other job opportunity <laughs> to get paid ah man i think we all need jimbo fisher's agent but we all don't have jimbo fisher's agent but what we do have is the general john McClain. he's up next right here on texans all access Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to catch up with our good friend, John. Not me, John McClain, the general. He had a lot to say this morning. We bounced around the league. We talked about this one yesterday. Me, Mark, and John McClain, the general, right here. Certainly his best day as a Texan, 150 yards on 30 carries. That's just perfect. Johnny, I know you love this with your OCD. 30 carries, 150, 5.0 per carry. It's so beautiful. Along of 22. That would have been nice to make it, you know, 20 or 30 or something. But anyway, one touchdown. 
This is a guy who's already thrown a touchdown pass for the mm-hmm. Texans. He's already pitched the ball out to C.J. Stroud on a running play. <laughs> uh, yet he gets his first rushing touchdown as a Texan yesterday in a 150-yard performance. Stroud throws for 356. He leads the league in yards per game. So Stroud is the leading passer in the NFL. Hardly a surprise. And the leading writer in our hearts, John McClain, and in a lot of people's hearts and minds, and then some because he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Your thoughts on what you saw yesterday, and our listener Michael tweeted to us or messaged us on X, however he did it, uh, the better team won. I don't know if they're the better team. It doesn't matter, though. On Sunday they were. Yeah, on Sunday they certainly were. But here's the thing. You don't have to be the better team. You just go out and win Sunday. We see, we see this all the time. Two weeks ago we were in here talking about a loss to Carolina. So you just got to bring it every single week. It doesn't matter who's better. It's who plays best, and the Texans did yesterday. Don't you know the Panthers are glad they don't have to play the Texans again, just like the mm. Falcons? It's hard, it's hard to believe. Five and two, both those losses on field goals with no time left. You guys mentioned Singletary's touchdown. The best thing about that play to me was Dalton Schultz's crushing block. He was not supposed to be a blocker. Everybody in the Metroplex made fun of him because he couldn't block. And they have brought out the wild side in Dalton Schultz. He just, he hit his guy. It was a clearing block. He knocked him down, jumped on top of him. In other words, he finished. For a Singletary, the Bills could use him. They can't run the ball. He was a starter the last three and a half years of the playoffs for right now. Texans would be in. The Bills would be out. And uh, Singletary, who boy, I'm guessing Damian Pierce comes back. I'd, I'd leave Singletary in as the starter. Yeah, he's making people missing holes. They had holes. Uh, he found them. I mean, and, John, it wasn't, as Mark said earlier, it wasn't like a 75-yard run or an 80-yard run. It was five. It was seven. It was 12. It was chunks of yardage. As we went into that game, John, did you think at all, and I know the Bengals' run defense was was eh, less than average, but the Panthers were less than average, uh, and other teams were less than average, and the Texans still couldn't move the ball running it very well. Yesterday, it exploded running the ball. Did you even see that coming, and what do you think was the major key? Of course I saw that coming. You did? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you did. Uh, I said on the pregame show, neither team's going to run the ball because they can't, and the Texans <laughs> haven't since the Pittsburgh game, and then the line at its best game, run blocking. I've never given out so many A-pluses on a report card as I did as uh, last night on SportsRadio610.com, and I uh, gave the offensive line an A-plus. One sack, run blocking was tremendous, longest run by Singletary, 22 yards, Xavier Hutchinson came in, got another uh, end around in which he had a 17-yard gain. Stroud ran for eight yards, clearly. I don't know. I can't remember if he was touched. He certainly wasn't hit running up the middle. And it's just the best all-around performance, 188 yards rushing, 544. In the last two games, they're averaging over 500 yards. They have 1,040 total yards. And if, when your quarterback can commit three turnovers, and I still think that fumble, that they ruled a fumble, which to me was a pass. Everybody on TV, including yeah. Gene Steratore, said it was a pass, but somehow those people thought it was a fumble. Like a nine-yard fumble that went in the air forward, which anyway, they didn't, he didn't get hurt on the fumbles. Of course, interception he did. But when you have a quarterback make mistakes and they still win, and he learns from them, that's 
even better. Now they, they're one game out of first place. They've got to be able to beat the Cardinals and not be looking ahead to the Jaguars. And this is crucial for D'Amico and his staff and the team leaders. Absolutely. Sure. This team doesn't play like it did against Carolina and Atlanta. Yeah, I don't think they will. I think there's something about this group, the way they're maturing right now, and it's a week-to-week thing. Look, it is November 13th. On August 1st, how are we feeling? All right? This is incredible stuff because you're dealing with the start of training camp, and we didn't know this was coming. And, John, I think it's a total team win, organizational win as well because when you look at some of these acquisitions in addition to the draft choices – of this year, last year, when you look at some of the acquisitions, Singletary, Brown, you talked about Dalton Schultz. These guys are all making plays for this team. Jimmy Ward is out right now, but he's made plays. These free agents that they've picked up are really contributing. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm writing a column today about Nick Serio's role. And in my column that I wrote uh, last night, it's on SportsRadio6.com, I can say, why not? D'Amico for coach in the coach of the year discussion. Why not Stroud in the MVP discussion? I'm going to write today. Why not Casario in executive of the year discussion? They got mm-hmm. a great chance here. Three games in a row against the Arizona Jaguars, who they beat by 20, and then, of course, Denver. And I'm not saying they're going to win all three. They need to beat the Jaguars, sweep them, and that's like a three-game lead on them because of the tiebreaker. But the Texans are in position to to not just make the playoffs, but win the division. They play Jack. They let's see after Jacksonville, Cleveland is the only other team they play that currently has a winning record, and they get the Browns here as well. So they're in a great position. I thought I picked them to win six games. I'm stunned that they've already won five for the first time since 2019, the last time they won the division. Their last week, Stroud was the toast of the NFL. Now the Texans and D'Amico are the toast of the NFL. Peter King even led with them in his football in America column. They're getting so much well-deserved, not just recognition, but praise. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think it's well-founded because yesterday that was a team win. And, I mean, they're up at one point 27-17, and they were down. They were minus two in the turnover margin at that point. They had fumbled the ball on fourth and one inside the 10. They had Robert Woods' touchdown overturned. They had the, the fumble that was, uh, you know, as John said, it was a throw. It's ridiculous. Not a fumble. Was Let ridiculous. me ask you guys. You had all of that going against yeah. you. I mean, really quick here. On that fumble, I always say this about these situations. If a Texan had caught that ball somehow out of the air, are they going to rule that a fumble recovery? No. The stat crew is going to say that's a forward pass. It's a forward pass. If it looks like a forward pass, if it smells like a forward pass, it's a forward pass. That's what it is. It was pretty easy to tell, too. Arm coming forward. Yeah, he didn't have full grip on it as it's coming forward, but why not? Anyway, forget about that. General... How surprised were you that San Francisco took care of Ooh. Jacksonville the way they did? I thought they'd win, but I didn't know they'd blow them out. The 49ers looked like they did when they started 5-0 and and beat the Cowboys. And Trevor Lawrence has not stepped up and become been a generational quarterback like hmm. he was supposed to be. They still you lead the say. division. <laughs> they're, they're, they're beatable as the Texans hammered them. They'd won every game since that Texan uh, humiliation. And now – 
They get embarrassed again. I don't know who they play in this one, but I can't wait for November 26th. That ought to be the most people in the stands, and it ought to be the loudest game of the year. Yeah, but we got the Cardinals before that, General, and Kyler Murray came back yesterday. 60-yard run puts him in position to get the dub. Kyler Murray's back. That makes the Cardinals pesky, feisty, uh, and I think Jonathan Gannon's coached them pretty well because he doesn't have a team loaded with talent, but he's got a lot of no-name guys that are playing really, really hard, and now he's got his star quarterback back. This Cardinals game is going to be a lot more difficult than people think, but I know you guys both have said that the Texans have not ready, but I think this Cardinals team with Kyler playing can be very, very interesting. Hopefully it's not that way on Sunday, but I just have a bad feeling about that. This is the game that everybody thought would be between the two worst teams in the NFL. Cardinals are supposed to be the first and get the number one pick. The Texans are supposed to be second worst, and the Cardinals would have the second overall pick because of the Will Anderson trade, but it's amazing uh, how times have changed. Is Josh Dobbs not one of the best stories we've seen in a long time? Because we're just one talking the about the Cardinals. Ever. He had them pretty competitive, actually, even though they were losing games. And then he goes to the Vikings, a better team, and now look, and yesterday doesn't turn it over, throws for 268, runs it a bit too, what, for 44 yards and a score, and they handled the New Orleans Saints at home. He had one victory in his career coming in. He's gone from Detroit to Cleveland to Houston, I mean, not Tennessee, back to Cleveland, Arizona, and Minneapolis, and he looks like Jeez. he belongs. Kevin O'Connell. And uh, Wes Phillips, uh, Wade Phillips' son, is the offensive coordinator there. They are doing a great coaching job when it comes to him, and it's one of the all-time best stories. You know, it's now a league media rule that when you mention Dobbs, you have to say he's an aerospace engineer, just yes. like when you mention Ryan Tannehill, you have to say he's a former wide receiver with Texas A&M. I'm just saying it's a league the media rule. The, yeah. the difference is he's a 4.0 aerospace engineer. Oh, 4.0. Thank you. I left that part out. I'm going to get fine now. Hey, uh, General, you weren't in Florida anytime soon, were you? This, was, this wasn't you? Did you, did you hear about the, you weren't the better that put $500,000 down that won $5.5 million? Listen to the, the parlay. Listen to the parlay. He needed four legs of the same game parlay. Texans to beat Bengals. Texans-Bengals to go over 44.5 points, which it wasn't at 27-17. Ooh. The Texans, uh, Texans running back, Devin Singletary, to score a touchdown and Singletary to go over 51.5 rushing yards. He won $5.5 million, General. That wasn't you in Florida, was it? <laughs> Boy, I wish it was. What a, what a bet. What a yeah. bet for five hundred grand. My God. What about Titans, General? Oof. Quick thoughts. Titans are in big trouble. Will Levis started his third game. They looked terrible. They went to Tampa. Buccaneers needed to win. Baker Mayfield played really well again, just like he played against the Texans. But right now, they're clearly... Uh, the last base team, Indianapolis wins. They're five and five. Talking about good coaching jobs. Uh, Shane Steichen is doing a really good one too. Yeah, he is. And they beat the Patriots ten six. Patriots are two and eight. Reports are that Belichick won't get fired during the season. I am not surprised about this one little bit. I mean, you let Bill Belichick do whatever he wants. He can exit gracefully at some point, and just, that point might be soon after yeah. the season. Might be others too. General Gerard thoughts. Mayo, everybody says, is the heir apparent. 
I am not thoroughly convinced that they're going to continue with the in-house, that Kraft might say, listen, let's go for another type of organization, but you never know. John, thanks so much for being with us. We'll catch up later in the week. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Let me give you a name. Give me a name. Jimbo Fisher. Edward Brady. (laughs) Oh, man, you should have seen the look on Mark's face when I said that. Tom Brady, GM, coach of the New England Patriots. How about that? Oh, man, would that be a little different? As I said, he is Kraft's guy. There is no doubt about that. Okay, yesterday in the NFL, something unique happened. Very unique. But it's unique because something that doesn't happen often happened five times yesterday. We'll relive it all next right here on Texas All Access. Matt Amendola with Kaimi Fairbairn on IR has a chance for a walk-off. John Weeks will snap. Cameron Johnston will hold. 38-yard field goal attempt from the left hash mark for the victory for Matt Amendola. Here's the snap. Here's the spot. Here's the kick. Plenty of leg. And it's good! The Texans walk off with a win Yes, Cincinnati. They take it 30-27. to Matt Amendola at the buzzer. The Texans walk away with a win that we'll never forget. Oh, yeah, that's how it went in Cincinnati at Paycor Stadium yesterday. Mark Vandermeer on the call. That was a fun one. Texans win 30-27. to Now, what made this day unique in the NFL, and I would imagine the NFL has got to love this, that was on the final play of the game in Cincinnati. Walk-off finishes, man. They're great, right? Well, the NFL majored in them yesterday because it happened in four other locations, including Baltimore, where the Browns were down 31-30, but they had a shot, and Dustin Hopkins had a chance to redeem himself. This will be a 40-yard field goal attempt for the middle of the fields. Hewlett, the long snapper. Bohorquez, the holder. Bohorquez on one knee. This crowd to their feet. Three seconds left. The Cleveland Browns to win it. Down one, 31-30. A little pause. Here's the snap. It's a good one. The hold is good. The kick is on its way. End over end. And it is good. But there's a flag on the field. Hold everything. I think it's going to be Kyle Hamilton jumping over, and it looked like he made contact with the Brown trying to do the Miles Garrett. We'll see. Yeah. The kick was good. It's 33-31 for the moment. And let's see if it's 33-31 for eternity. It looks like it. Joel Batonio celebrating. Yeah, Tom. the Browns are celebrating. Fouls for illegal leverage. Still goal will count. This will end the game. And that will end the ball game. The Browns have won it 33-31. They've come from behind. That was Tom McCarthy on the call. Jim Donovan still dealing with some health issues there in Cleveland. Cleveland wins 33-31. Dustin Hopkins missed the extra point after a pick six. That would have made it 31-31, but he missed that extra point that set up that field goal for himself to get the Browns a 33-31 win. The Browns. Oh, man, the Browns moved to 6-3 and three and get a win at Baltimore. Just we didn't need to have happened. So that was location number two. So 
Location number three, let's head out to Arizona where Kyler Murray was pulling magic tricks out of his hat, including a 60-yard run that got the Cardinals down in scoring position. They were down one. It's time for Matt Prater, who can hit it from 70 uh, for a chip shot, basically. It's turned over to Dave Pash of the Arizona Cardinals Network. Fourth down, ball on the five. Gillikin is the holder. Brewer the long snapper. And a 23-yard field goal try by Prater to win the game. It's 23-22 Atlanta. Here we go. The snap's good. The ball's down. The kick is up. And the kick is good. And the Cardinals win it. 25-23. Welcome back. Kyler, Kyler Murray engineering the game-winning drive, and Arizona gets its second win of the season. And as luck would have it, guess who the Texans have on the schedule next? Yes, that is Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals coming to NRG Stadium next week. Let's pack that joint, make it loud, make it tough uh, for Kyler Murray, the 2018 Heisman Trophy winner, to do anything. Let's do that. Um, D'Amico said on his coach's show a little while ago what noise and impact and chaos that the Texans fans provided were a big lift against Tampa Bay. Keep it going and make NRG Stadium a tough place to play. And I know a lot of you have come to me over the years and been like, well, you know, they're not very good, so I don't want to waste my money. I guess somebody buy my tickets, etc. Well, guess what? You should have FOMO now. You should want to see number seven come throw the football at a minimum. You should want to come see this team that lives for each other. That has just got, I mean, great vibes around it. Just, just come watch that football team. One team that's got great vibes around it, the Detroit Lions. They were out in L.A. And Dan Campbell had a really big decision to make. He had fourth and two late in the game. Could have kicked a field goal. But he decided, you know what, I'm going for this because I want to run all the time off. He did. And he got Riley Patterson just a little bit closer. 38-38. It's time for the Lions to get another big win. Here we go, final play of the game. Lions going for the win. 41-yard field goal attempt. Hash mark left side. McQuaid to snap. There it is. Fox the hold. Patterson the kick. It is up and it is good. He got it. That's a victory for the Lions on the final play of the game. And what a game it was. Back and forth they went. No separation between these two. And Ronnie Patterson sends it through to secure a 41-38 victory for the Lions. That is big-time stuff. Every time they needed to play late, they found one on offense. Goff coming up big. Everybody coming up big. And Riley Patterson coming up big. That was number four. And for the final game-winning field goal, we go out to Seattle where the Commanders made one hell of an effort. Sam Howell threw a touchdown pass with about 40, it was probably 49, 50 seconds left in the game. An absolute dart. Tied the game at 26, but left just enough time for Geno Smith to go down, produce some magic, and I'll let Steve Rabel, longtime play-by-play man of Seattle Seahawks, take it from here. Here we go. It comes down to this. Jason Myers between the hash marks from 43. The kick is going to be long enough, and the kick is good. Jason Myers wins it on the last play of the game. The Seahawks facing all kinds of issues in the fourth quarter. They come back. 
They score, and now they win it on the last play from 43 yards out for the second time this season. Myers with five field goals in a game. This one wins it. The Seahawks 29, Washington 26. Really wasn't sure what the commanders would bring. Boy, they played their guts out. The Seahawks get them 29-26. Five walk-off field goals on Sunday. That is incredible. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll take you up to Monday Night Football. Broncos, Bills right here on Sports Radio 610 in the Odyssey app. We'll see you guys tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.